a very good morning to you all and a very warm welcome to worship here this morning. The prayer group is meeting this morning at the close of the service and if you've not been to the prayer group before, I wouldn't like anyone to feel that it's an exclusive group in any way. Anyone is, at, is most welcome to join as we gather down here at the front just for five or ten minutes after the service and pray together. Thursday service is usual at half past ten this week. Next Sunday, we're having the annual stated meeting after the morning service. So I would like as many people as possible to stay behind. It won't be for long, and I promise you, you will not get roped into anything. <laughs> okay? It's simply just going over, having a look at the accounts for the past year, and going over what's been going on. This week is the joint meeting of the four Kirk Sessions from Ardrossan and Salcoats in St Cuthbert's Church, and that's on Thursday at 7 o'clock to discuss the basis for union. The craft team is not meeting this week. A reminder that May Patterson's funeral takes place at Holmesford Bridge on Tuesday at 1.30pm. Tuesday at 1.30 at Holmesford Bridge. And the care and share will be on this week as usual on Friday from half past 12 until 2. And I'm delighted, absolutely delighted to say that care and share won uh, an award at the volunteer award ceremonies this week. We got the Ken Buchanan Award for care and share and I think that's excellent recognition of the work we do. Thank you. Well, good morning. And it's a pleasure to be here uh, in what is uh, is a good morning, isn't it? Uh, enjoying a pleasant spell of weather, though I think we had some rain during the night, which was good for the gardens. We have a call to worship that's taken from Isaiah 51, verse 4. Listen to me, my people, and give heed to me, my nation, for a teaching will go out from me and my justice for a light to the peoples. So we'll start our worship with our first hymn, which is Jesus, Lover of My Soul. Ah, ah, leave me 
Let us join our hearts together in prayer. Let us pray. Most holy God, as we who gather on this day remember your great gift of love, let us come close with reverence and with joy. Your great light, the word made flesh, will shine upon each darksome day. The light of mercy, grace, and peace. We draw closer and in your presence Bless your holy name. God of every age, a source of insight to the past, a source of steadiness around the present, and a source of hopefulness into the future. Now we praise you, now we adore you, now we seek you. We go into the desert places of our lives. Refresh each parched heart that we might blossom in your kindness in all the days that lie ahead where lives grow tired and energy is low the hint of your nearness enables us to renew our strength and in your light reflect your glory Lord Jesus Christ when all are deaf with the business of life and we feel endlessly remote from all that gives us reason to live and courage to go on, we turn to you, our brother and our friend, to speak the words of regret and fear that weigh us down and hold us back. When joy should have been our garment, we chose the darkness of envy. When mercy should have marked our speech, we chose the words of judgment. When gentleness should have graced our actions, we chose the harshness of the desert heart. Our hope is vain unless we turn to you. So now we come, knowing that we are broken, but finding words admitting failure. Help us to say, forgive me, Lord, forgive me now. Unworthy we may be, but unloved we are not. Today, turn us around. Recalibrate our lives so that they are measured in gentleness and service and keep your steady hand upon our shoulders in all the days to come. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, the same Jesus Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Well, we're a little more thin this morning with young people. Don't have as many as we usually have. But what I've got to say applies to everybody, not just the young people. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. I don't know if young people have heard the it's a story by <coughs> Hans Christian Andersen. And it's called The Emperor's New Clothes. Have you heard it? Nope. Yes. Emperor's New Clothes. Right. Well, I'll just remind everybody of the story. <laughs> there was an emperor, um, uh, even bigger than what a king would be, ruler of a vast empire. And he was more interested in his appearance, how he looked, than running the, his empire properly. And uh, one day, two swindlers, two con men, reckoned that they could make money out of him. 
So they came to the, the emperor and they said, look, we know you love really nice clothes, so we can make you the, the most sumptuous costume, be made from the finest material, the finest and rarest furs. We'll use real gold thread, real silver thread. We'll put precious stones all over it. And of course it'll cost you, but it'll be absolutely magnificent. So he said, all right, go ahead. So they worked away. And of course, the courtiers, his servants and the people that were high up, would go along to see how they were doing. And they were at their looms and they were sewing away. And there was nothing there. And of course the courtiers thought, well, I don't want to, because what they said is, if you can't see it, you're stupid. <laughs> and so they thought, well, I don't want to be thought stupid, so I'll just keep my mouth shut. <laughs> and of course they all thought the same. Then the day came when it was finished. So they went along to the emperor and they helped him on. They said, oh, this is really heavy. You know, I have to get this on to you. Oh, it's buttoned up. Oh, it's sitting nice. That's, what, that's wonderful. And of course, there was nothing there. <laughs> so the emperor went out for a parade and he's walking down the street. <laughs> Not a stitch on. And of course, all the crowd knew the story about if you can't see the clothes, you're stupid. So they're all saying, well, I'm not stupid. I, I don't want to let on. I'm just She's walking down and they're all going, Aah. and then eventually there's a wee boy who wasn't in on it. And he goes, ha, look at him. He's naked. <laughs> He's got no clothes on. And then somebody in the crowd kind of went to them and said, He's actually, 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 then they all realised they'd been conned. And there was actually a song, uh, I think it was Danny Kay, that used to have it on children's favourites when I was a boy. And I can't remember the, the exact song, but it was in, it went something like the, the king is in the old together. I had to say king because emperor didn't scan. The king is in the old together, the old together, the old together, the king is in the old together. He's naked as can be. I can't remember the rest of the song. But, and I think it was Danny Kay, but anyway. That point, what's the point of I'm trying to make this story? It's very tempting sometimes for us to see something that's wrong or not truthful and keep quiet because we're frightened of what other people might think about us. So we should, I'm saying to the adults as well, in fact, it applies more to the adults. <laughs> Particularly the way things are going in the present day that we often feel that we shouldn't speak about something because people think, that we think the worst of us, you know. Uh, so we should always acknowledge, say if something is wrong or something is not truthful, we shouldn't be frightened to speak out and tell the truth. I suppose that's what it is, and not go along with things. As too often we do, and I'm talking to the, particularly the, the older people, we do go along with things. But anyway, that's the story. So um, I hope we'll get to a point. And later on in our reading, we're looking at um, Jesus on an occasion speaking out and speaking out very forcefully in an occasion when it was quite a shock to people that he actually spoke out. However, we'll come to that later. Meantime, we're going on to our, ne our next hymn. 
better say before we have it. Um, I can't help listening to this hymn and thinking about Westerns. As many will know, I'm a, a great fan of Westerns, particularly old Westerns, not just the modern ones, but the, the old Westerns. And inevitably, you have a scene in some of these Westerns where people are either around the grave aside and they're singing this hymn, or else they're in the church and somebody comes in to say that there's an outlaw gang arrived in town and the sheriff needs help, you know, and that kind of thing. Uh, but it is a good going hymn, uh, and it's Shall We Gather at the River? Um, 
Just before we uplift our offering, I just wanted to briefly say a word. And it's often said that uh, I was told when I was training that uh, when you're preaching, you're preaching to yourself. So what I'm about to say is applies to me as much as anybody else. Um, some of you may have heard this, this story before, but years ago for my sins, I had a season ticket for Newcastle United. Um, my son and I used to go uh, home games and we went in the company of a gentleman from Largs who'd been a long time season ticket holder and initially we used to share lifts we'd take his car one week and my car the, the, the other week and then he managed to accumulate 11 penalty points on his license so he said do you mind if we just take your car all the time and I'll give you petrol money and I said oh, that's fine because my son would drive as well and uh, he gave me 20 pounds and then as the seasons went on and the price of petrol went up and up and up and he still gave me 20 pounds now I don't think he meant anything by this I think it just didn't dawn on him and it came to the point I realized just, uh, just a few weeks back that um, I'd been giving the same amount monthly for a long time. And this to say the costs in the church are not diminishing in terms of heating and lighting and so on and so forth. And uh, so I increased it. And then the other day I came to a decision and I thought, right, to save this happening again, what I'm going to do is every time I get my uh, increase in my teaching pension, whatever the percentage is, I'm going to give that in my offerings. That way, I'll remember to do it regularly. Now, I'm not lecturing you because I say I'm as bad as anybody else, but I would ask you to consider in your givings. Uh, we are facing more and more expense. And Sadly, we've lost quite a number of people as well who were very generous in their offerings. So I'm only asking you to consider that in case you hadn't thought of it. Uh, okay, so we'll now uplift our offering. <laughs> God, 
when your kindness and generosity dawned upon the world and you lavished your love upon us in Jesus Christ our Saviour. You called us to believe in you and to devote ourselves to good works. Now we bring our gifts to you and offer them and our whole life with joy for your service through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. At this point, um, I was going to let the young people escape. escape. <laughs> I shouldn't have said escape. <laughs> so I think it would be this point, although our reading today is quite short, but I think we'll let the, the, the young people go out at this, at this point. So, uh, Stuart, if you would like to, to play them out, thank you. this morning is taken from John's Gospel, chapter 7. And it's quite a short one this morning, just three verses. On the last and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, Whoever is thirsty should come to me, and whoever believes in me should drink. As the scripture says, streams of life-giving water will pour out, pour out from his side. Jesus said this about the Spirit, which those who believed in him were going to receive. At that time, the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet been raised to glory. May God add his blessing to this reading of his word. Amen. Thanks, John. We continue our worship with our next hymn, which is I heard the voice of Jesus say.
the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I've had the secret, um, endless dread of something happening while I'm delivering a sermon. It's never happened, but it actually happened to somebody that I know, somebody that I was training with. And this chap, you have to understand, he was quite a shy fellow. He didn't have a great academic background, and he found speaking in public quite difficult. And uh, so he was all set, G'd up, when he was going to deliver his first sermon when he was training. And he stood up, and he... <laughs> please go and he got into it and somebody jumped up and started to denounce him. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it wasn't a member of the congregation, it was a chap who was well known for doing that kind of thing. He had a vendetta against the Church of Scotland, he thought they weren't proper Christians. Anyway, but as I say, I've always had this, this, this dread that somebody will jump up and start to denounce me and say, I'll say, don't listen to him, it's heresy he's preaching. Um, that's why I'm always nervous as well when I've got, you know, um, retired ministers in the, the congregation. <laughs> I always think that they're, they're listening very carefully and dissecting what you're saying ever. Uh, we've come to a point in, in today's reading where Jesus jumps up and says something very significant. Anyway, Jesus, it's important to remember that Jesus was a Jew. And he was well aware of the prophecies in the Old Testament. He was well aware of the law, the traditions of Judaism, and also he was very aware of the important festivals. Now, this took place uh, during the Feast of the Tabernacles. And it was one of three uh, important feasts or festivals that uh, all Jewish men over the age of 12 were expected to attend in Jerusalem. Uh, the others being the Passover and the Festival of the Weeks. So this Festival of the Tabernacles, it was the last of the, the feasts or festivals. And the people turned up and they lived in tents. That's the, the, t- the tabernacle, it's just a tent. Uh, and this was to commemorate the, the 40 years that they spent wandering in the wilderness when they had to live in tents. Uh, But it was also to thank God for his provision in the harvest, because it was always held at the end of the harvest time. Uh, But also symbolic, because it also uh, commemorated God's pouring out of his spirit and his provision for those people in the desert. Now, it had seven days of celebration, and then on the eighth and final day, uh, it was one of very solemn worship. And it was on this day, as you heard from the reading, that Jesus decided to speak. Now, what would happen at this, um, this festival is a priest would go down with a golden pitcher and get water from the Pool of Siloam, uh, which was Jerusalem's only water supply. And he would go in through the water gate into the temple and another priest would bring a pitcher of wine and they would pour it via a silver funnel. And this was done amidst a lot of music and singing and chanting. And then people would fall silent into contemplation. Now, given the background, if you read the whole chapter, 
And uh, I wouldn't want this happen to read the whole chapter, but what happened at the beginning was Jesus' brothers wanted him to go to Jerusalem for this festival, but they wanted him to go in a formal way and then show people what he could do and also make them aware of his teachings. And Jesus said, no, I'm not going. And he said, uh, quote, it, it's not my time. However, he urged his brothers to go, and they did. But then Jesus went up privately as a private individual, and he was present in the temple on that last day. Now, we know from Leviticus that the procedure for these, this, these, this feast was fixed, and it said that the last day had to be um, a solemn assembly, okay? So Jesus jumping up, he was making, in the middle of all this solemn silence, he was making a scene. It must have really shocked people. It would shock me if somebody jumped up right now and started to denounce me. But he was making, deliberately making a scene. And he jumps up and he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me. Now, he was talking about spiritual thirst, talking about quenching spiritual thirst. And he was echoing what it says in the Old Testament, if I can quote from Isaiah 44. Uh, this is God speaking to Isaiah. I will pour water on the thirsty land. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring. Now, Jesus is saying this on this great day, which is devoted to God. And he's urging people to come to him. And he's, he's offering them something that only God can offer. He's offering to quench their spiritual thirst. And up to that point, the only person that could do that was God. So you can understand the shock that had for people when he's saying, I can do what God does. So he goes on to say, if they believed in him, he could quench that spiritual thirst that they had. And then in verse 39, John goes on to explain about the, the Holy Spirit that is to come. And we've talked a lot in recent weeks about the Holy Spirit. However, in verse 38, Jesus says something which is of great importance to us right now, today, this very moment. He says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And this flowing is like a, a river not a trickle. So what he's really saying is that we will receive the Holy Spirit from, from God. It's there for us. But as well as it flowing into us, it should flow out of us to other people. We should, the Holy Spirit equips us and comforts us, but we should not keep it to ourselves. We should use it and its power to live out his plans. You know, we have a world at the present moment which is spiritually thirsty. 
And the gospel and the Holy Spirit should send us forth into that world to meet its needs. So basically, it's a message for all. Now, in John's gospel, John uses water as a symbol for the Spirit. In fact, water is mentioned 22 times in the first seven chapters. Uh, I didn't count them myself, I read that. Um, But you remember back to Nigel um, a few weeks back talking about the, the wedding feast at Cana. And that was Jesus' first miracle, is at the wedding, when he turned the water into wine. And this is quite symbolic, because it wasn't just any water. The water that he turned into wine was the water that was set aside for cleansing. The Jews were very much into ritual cleansing. And what he was doing was he was saying that he was turning this ritual cleansing, which was part of the, the, the Jewish law, the Jewish habit, uh, and their religious beliefs. And he was saying he was turning it, he was turning the law, if you like, the, the Jewish ideas into something greater. See, wine was considered by the Jews to be a great celebrant. And he was turning their simple ritual water into something to celebrate. Now, his mother was present, and this was the start, taken to be the start of his ministry. It's very interesting that Mary doesn't appear again in John's gospel until she's at the foot of the cross. She's there at the beginning, and she's there at the end. As I said, uh, it's, uh, John is very much into symbolism. If we go back to chapter four, um, which is the Samaritan woman at the well, which Nigel preached on a couple of Sundays back, uh, it's, it's a piece of scripture that means a great deal to me uh, because it was the piece of scripture that I preached from in my final preaching assessment. And um, so I I went into it in great detail. But but in in that chapter, Jesus talks about living water. And that's his way of saying eternal life. And the great significance of that encounter with the Samaritan woman is the message of salvation for all. As you think back on it, Jesus was speaking to a woman, which he shouldn't have been, it wasn't his mother or his wife. She was of dubious background, she'd gone through five husbands, a bidenist would say, and um, she was a Samaritan. So by the social mores of the time, Jesus shouldn't have had anything to do with her. But he's offering her living water. And what that says to us is that that living water is for everyone. Everyone. And we should remember that. And not keep our faith wrapped up in these four walls. Jesus talks of flowing water. Or sometimes people have 
likened it to a fountain, you know, fountains that's spraying out water. I can remember when I was a, a boy in primary school, and uh, in the, we were segregated because we had the boys' playground, the girls' playground, and we had um, wells, fountains, you know, you, you turned and the water came up. And there was two of them, and I remember for long enough, one of them, when you turned it on, you, it barely bubbled out, you know, and you had to grate down in the... The other one, if you turned it too far, it shot up in the sky and soaked everybody. Of course, little boys didn't ever do that, turn it up and soak people. But I think sometimes our, our faith can be like that. Jesus is saying that our, our, the, the spirit within us should be like a fountain or a river. And too often it's the wee bubbly one. Uh, Very often we allow our water, spiritually speaking, to become stagnant. Our faith needs to be and should be dynamic and active. And we do tend to neglect the Holy Spirit. It's there all the time. But a bit like radio waves, if you don't tune in, you're not aware of it. So what am I saying? Uh, Jesus, via the Holy Spirit, is inviting people to come to him. And he's still inviting everyone to come to him. The weary, the burdened, the spiritually thirsty. And what we are to do is to release that torrent that is within us with the Holy Spirit on thirsty souls and indeed bring them spiritual refreshment. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. May it enable us to do your works and bring about your kingdom. And let us not be backward and bringing our faith to everyone. And we ask this in the name of the Holy Spirit and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our next hymn is Jesus, Thou Joy of Loving Hearts.
Let, let us once more join our hearts in prayer. Let us pray. Great and loving God, we know we are tents of this good earth, entrusted through your grace and love with its abundance and harvests. Strengthen our resolve to be worthy of your covenant with us and make us more willing to hear, to obey, and to act in protection of the fruit of your kingdom of love. Fill the leaders of our nation and all nations with a healthy respect for the dignity of human life, the worth of the individual, and the need to consider the everyday issues, as well as the wider issues in politics and society. Sustain those with special talents, talents of laughter, healing, teaching, leadership, parenting, production of food, and the necessities of life, and those with the gift of healing, and encourage them to see you as the source of all their gifts. Accept, we pray, your children with their particular hopes and promise. Inspire them to continue in their faithful way to work for the growth of love and cooperation, mutual dependence and trust. Startle the wavering and the tempted, the unsure and the procrastinating, with a sharp sense of your interest and your demands of care upon them. Refresh the weary and the war-torn, the oppressed and the suffering, with a sense of your unlimited and unexpected mercy. Motivate the hearts of compassionate men and women to the cry of the hungry and the plight of the undernourished. Direct and embolden those who grapple with the problem of insufficient shelter and inadequate clothing, the lack of ample resources in education, the abuse of power, oppression and injustice. Reignite the passion of those who have slumped into idle lethargy and lukewarm apathy. Give them a boldness to correct and eradicate and transform the wrongs which reject and isolate those who do not fit neatly within the norms of society. Remind the church to tread carefully in its eagerness to be popular or in hastily espousing doctrines that may be popular with the world. Challenge us when we are silent on controversial issues, when our silence condones the destruction and rejection of goodness, truth, and life. Guide us in the deep waters of social and political action so that we hold tight to spiritual truth and reject any seemingly expedient solutions which are alien to the teaching of Jesus in whose name we pray. Amen. We, our closing hymn is Come Thy Font of Every Blessing.
And now go in the peace of God, in whom there is no darkness, but the night shines as the day. May he renew your hearts with quietness, your bodies with untroubled sleep, and may he waken you to use his gift of life with faith and joy. In the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with us all, now and forevermore.